Hey guys, I'm always getting asked about my podcast and and how do you get to make it and you know what tools are you using to get online and get your ideas out there? Well, let me tell you, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's by far the easiest way to make a podcast today. Everything you need is all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then hosting, which is kind of actually technically relatively complicated. They do all of that stuff and distribute all that stuff. Guess what? For F-R-E-E, they do all of that. It's uh, Spotify. You'll see your podcast show up on Apple, on Stitcher, all these great platforms. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, did I mention that it's free? So here's how you do it. You go to the Anchor app. Go to the App Store. Just put in Anchor. Or you can go to the anchor.fm and you can get started right away. Thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. Hey, I hope you're up right now, because I am. I am recording this podcast at 4.30 in the morning. That is my commitment to you, my customer. That is the hustle that I am doing, because I care. I care. Are you ready? I'm ready for today. Because I, it's I'm still in today. I haven't had a tomorrow yet. I'm kind of in tomorrow. I'm kind of. It's like I'm doing this in the future. So it's from the future. It's one. It's like hours in the future. I don't know. It's exciting. It's exciting. I'm really excited. So, uh, so there you go. That's the fun stuff. Uh, it is the stack of stuff show. This is the Stack of Stuff show. We've talked about the Stack of Stuff and what that really means. Uh, let's, uh, let's get into the cafeteria here, um, cafe, and uh, talk a little bit about you and me and what we're going to do this afternoon or this evening or whenever it is. I really don't know uh, what your time is, but uh, it's my time right now, and it's 4.30 in the morning. And uh, my goal is to finish this before 5. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. It's not going to happen, though. I think it's going to be 40 minutes. I've, I've, I've timed this out, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be tight, as they say. It's going to be tight timing. Um, but uh, there, there you go. That's it's just the way it's going to be, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Um, I'm okay. All right, so what are we talking about? It's the Stack of Stuff show. And what is the Stack of Stuff show, Pierre? What is the format? You gave us an interview. You gave us some background. Now, Stack of Stuff, what is that all about? Come on. What are you talking about? Well, my friends, if you go to my website, it's called hustleisthehack.com. See how I did that? Hustle, Pierre Hustlebus. It's kind of funny. Uh, anyways, hustleisthehack.com. That is my personal website. That is the world that, I in, that, that incorporates this podcast it's about living your life, doing your work, and taking your hat when you're done. Low drama. Just get her done. Okay? That's my whole ethos here. This is what we're trying to trying to get, folks. It's low drama work environment. Just get her done. Okay? So um, Thoreau, he's one of my faves. And so he said, live your life, do your work, take your hat. That's it. 
That's what I want on my gravestone. And that's uh, that's it. That's what we're going to do. So, um, so the stack of stuff is a uh, kind of model uh, that I use uh, to kind of embrace a growth mindset to think about things outside of uh, what I'm working on right now to try to look ahead in the future, to be a bit of a futurist and to anticipate changes in the market. And so the stack of stuff is going to help you. It helps me. This is my organization model that I do to learn, learn the stuff. Like how do you learn the stuff uh, when there's no college courses for this? hard to find college course. So it's a framework. This is the framework. So one of the methods that I use, two, two methods are being shown here specifically on my website. One is called Dynamics Daily. And this is specifically, I work in the Microsoft Dynamics space, which is a piece of software. Okay, so this is my actual um, thing that I use every day. I built a little newspaper using some cool software that's totally free and it goes out and um, nabs a whole boatload every day of links to different um, things that I am interested in. It's like doing a Google search, but just specific to my stuff. And so it goes out every day and curates a, a feed for me. And I, I go in and read through that every day. And I can basically, it's really great at just kind of keeping a track of who are all the different partners and who are the people that I'm following on Twitter and all that kind of stuff just goes out and finds what's relevant to what's interesting to me and puts it in a little paper format for me. It's awesome. And so the daily dynamics uses that. And the next one is my actual curated Pierre read this article and wanted to share it with his listeners. And so this is uh, uh, in the stack of stuff link and it is a curated list of different articles uh, and things that I have found interesting during my work. And so um, what I do is read these articles uh, and kind of different things that are published on the internet, along with my normal reading good books. Um, and I also, I should share that out because uh, I, I read a lot of books. I'm reading lots of books all the time. I just finished the first book in the terminal uh, list um series that was really interesting and uh, i'm reading um when corruption was king was just finished i read recently george washington's biography i mean i, I read lots of different uh books i've read almost every major book on all the serial killers so i know all about ted bundy and the green ridge killers and uh jack the ripper and all of this i know all those stories and and uh Maybe not the best thing to know, but I certainly it's fascinating. I'm fascinating about people, sociopaths especially. And uh, anyway, so you read this stuff and you kind of put that in the in the thinker, and then the brain kind of tabulates this information. And so it's very good. Our brains are really good at finding commonality between what seems to be random pieces of information. It finds threads, patterns. If you've ever looked, you like if you have a like a like a black and white tiled floor and you ever look at that floor and like you see, start to see patterns in the floor. Uh, at least I do. I start to see patterns in the floor and it's like, wait, it's the same exact pattern. There are no patterns. It's just black and white. There's no circles here or outlines of anything. It's just black and white 
repeated over and over again, but your brain has this need to organize stuff. And so when you feed it a bunch of random information, it's going to try to collate that, believe it or not. And so your brain, I believe this is, I don't know, I'm not a brain scientist, but it seems like that's kind of what's going on there. So at least in my head, that's what it does. So, um, so I'm kind of what what can be referred to as a random learner. So I take a lot of consume a lot of information and then consider that, and then it uh, then I come up with kind of megatrends that happen. So I'm going to give you a couple examples of those megatrends, and you will see those in this um, stack of stuff. So I'd like to review the stack of stuff like once a month with you. And uh, maybe I'm just going to pull three or four articles out and just kind of give you my thought process. And so it's not, you know, I'm not making investment advice or anything like that. I'm just really trying to draw conclusions based on information that I'm finding. And I'm putting that then in my universal truths bucket, right? I'm putting that on the Ron Swanson pyramid of greatness. It goes on that pyramid of truths. Uh, that you just learned this information. And so I can now like agree and commit this to, you know, the, the truth. This is, this becomes, this truth becomes self-evident to me at some point. So you'll see some of those. Some of these are still thinking through. So the first one is, um, is all about a wonderful, a wonderful uh, article that uh, it was published by Crunchbase. Uh, Crunchbase is uh, kind of a venture funds and venture capitalist um, uh, view of the world, and it's a really you know it's a it's a good it's a good thing to read if you're um, if you're just kind of looking at business world as a whole because um, venture capitalists are always interested in what is next, what's the next thing that's you know what's at the top of the mind in the VC funds world, why are they putting their money and what are the trends that they're following that are making interesting. Um, Content. Well, one of the things right now that's making very interesting content is um, this thing of Joe Biden uh, and the Democrats are pushing for an infrastructure plan, a $2.3 trillion infrastructure plan. Uh, Before we get into what the infrastructure plan is and the impact of that infrastructure plan, I want to point out the number because that is also very significant here, $2.3 trillion dollars now um um you always when you get large numbers i just went through a class on this you always look for kind of reducing it to the most absurd minimum thing and kind of trying to relate that's one model like reduce it to a daily number like how many cups of coffee every day well this is that's not going to work here because that's 2.3 trillion dollars it's a lot of so what's our kind of currency what is a trillion dollars worth well a good example of what a trillion dollars is is last year both Apple and Microsoft crossed a what's referred to as the market cap for their market capitalization, which is the equivalent value of all the stock that is out in the company. What is the worth of a company is the um, how the easiest way to express that is if you took every share of stock, the millions and millions of shares of stock, and sold or bought every one of those, how much money would that be? And that is what the market determines the value of that entire enterprise is worth, is the liquid value of all those stocks. That um, uh, So $1 trillion is equivalent to an Apple computer or a Microsoft. So $2 trillion is worth the same money of the entire value of Microsoft and Apple. 
So initially it's like, oh, that's interesting. You know, they sell, both companies sell, you know, a billion, a couple hundred billion dollars worth of sales every year. So sure, they're 25 times net revenue, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's the value of the company. Uh Uh-uh. Don't think about it that way. Think about it like this. This is how much a company like this is worth. Go back in time to 1980 when these companies both kind of started right around the same time and take every employee's hours of all the investment over the years, every computer that's ever been built, every um, every um, line of code and software that's been sold, every um, uh, <laughs> every kin uh, <laughs> phone that was ever sold by Microsoft, every iPad that's ever been sold by Apple, all of the um, watches and the stupid flipping watch bands that they make millions of dollars off of. It's a whole nother show. You take all that, all of that stuff, all the intellectual properties and the patents and all that, put it in a pile. That is a lot of achievement, innovation. That is, that is one of the most powerful pile of technology ever assembled on this planet. And that is what this infrastructure plan is spending that $2 trillion. That's, so that's what I'm saying. This is a lot of money. This is a lot of money. Um, so that's an important part of this. Is uh, $2 trillion means that whatever's going to be done here is going to have a significant impact. And I think this is why the numbers are big. Because it's one thing to give away a billion dollars. That seems like a lot of money to average people. But to actually make a global impact or have an impact on economies, it's been got to spend a lot of money to make an actual impact. And that's why... $2 trillion ends up being the big numbers because there's a lot inside of this. It's not just, Hey, we're going to build two, $2 trillion worth of roads. Um, there's a couple of things that are in here that are very significant. The first is um, that the United States is going to invest in electrical vehicles. And this is the, this is, there's a lot of other things in here, but I just wanted to point this one out that the United States is going to spend about one, Hundred and seventy-four billion dollars on the um, battery-powered cars and technology that supports their adoption. Again, one hundred and seventy billion dollars is a basically Apple's sales of last year. That's every iPhone that was sold last year, every dollar that Apple made last year. So that's about a lot. So that's a lot of money. So we're going to spend that just on the um, battery-powered cars. The United States is going to give money back to consumers through tax credits, and we're going to make infrastructure investments in helping subsidize and kind of pick winners and losers in the battery market and in um, the other component, which is very interesting, is um, the installation of EV chargers and the infrastructure that goes along with uh, having uh, the uh, increased sales for electric vehicles. So the Biden administration has set a goal of installing 500,000 new EV chargers by the end of the decade. 500,000. That seems like a big number. 500,000. Let's think about that. 500,000 is a big number. It is a big number. But how many cars do we sell in this country? How many electric cars are we going to sell in that decade that the government's going to put 500,000 new chargers in Um, Every day in the United States, we sell about five 
or excuse me, we sell 50,000 cars every day, brand new cars in the United States. Every year, it's about 15 million cars are sold in the United States. I think last year was 17 million cars were sold. So we sell we sell 50,000 cars a day. So 500,000 chargers, let's just say one out of every 20 of those cars is is in the, in this next two years is, is going to be electric. And after that, that number is going to go to mid 30 or 40, you know, 50,000 um, cars a day, 500,000 vehicles chargers isn't even close to being enough. That's not, that's not hardly anything like that's enough to maybe put um, in all the government buildings and add uh, boatloads of more chargers for all the employees that show up at the army bases and, and government and built employees that, uh, that, that need to just charge theirs in government buildings and national parks and stuff like that. So that's where a lot of that will probably go to schools and stuff like that. But that's just an indicator of how much, like today, we do not have a very big infrastructure around the electric vehicles being charged in the homes. Like today, there's not very many. Only the primarily the um, the Tesla owners are the ones putting them in. The rest of them are the are hybrid cars, so they charge off. They're not most of them are plug-in hybrids, so. That means there is going to be a huge boom in doing installations and building out the infrastructure around EVs. That means businesses and churches and homes and apartment complexes are going to need hundreds and thousands and literally millions of these are going to have to get installed. I I really believe the electric vehicle market is going to just boom in about this next two years. We're going to see an incredible as the cars get released into the market and are available and the government lowers the price through subsidies, people are going to, they're going to gravitate to those cars because Tesla's what Tesla's proven. They've proven in the market that the cars are cheaper to run, obviously because they're running electricity. So as a consumer, I don't have to go to a gas station. They take a lot less maintenance. Also, that's the other part. You don't do oil changes in that car. You, You don't, change you know the heating the coolant there's no coolant in that car there's fewer moving parts it 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 runs a lot more efficiently and so it uh you know you put tires and you grease the thing up and there's you know periodic maintenance like there's a filter for the air conditioner and stuff like that but it's not there's not like the maintenance is really low compared to other vehicles and so people are going to love this like that's the thing like uh, consumers um if they have that uh, infrastructure in place to be able to charge it when they get to a store or when they're low and those things are everywhere, you know, consumers will buy them. There, there's been always this conspiracy that cars would, you know, the big automotive cars companies were always against elect- or electric and they wanted gas and they were biased towards the internal combustion. And they're not. The, the, the car companies, they don't really care what kind of engine you have in your car, whether it's electric or diesel or gas uh, gasoline they don't really care in fact they probably would rather have you buy electric because that just means they they can charge you more for the value of that like it's a kind of cool brand and like uh, they think there's probably going to be more demand for that and it allows them to invest in infrastructure in the in their own factories when those brands go up and stuff like that and the big car companies like ford and general motors just are just kind of tipping their toe in it but it's what's actually happening is they're very market driven 
And so as the market has come up for and people are buying the Tesla, like, okay, there's a market. We proved it. Tesla proved it. So now somebody else has gone and made the market. Now they're going to come in. That's a business strategy, actually, not to be the first all the time, but come in, especially in cars, because you have to buy a new one all the time. So a good customer for them actually is for General Motors is an existing Tesla customer. That would be a customer they would love to steal because you already have the infrastructure and you already like the electric car. Now I could, if I can just beat you on price or come in with a, a different consumer model or a different brand image than, than Tesla, I could probably get you um, without having to go out and educate you on what electric is and all of this. I could just like clerk the deal. So it'd be less expensive to get existing customers. Anyways, there's a lot of strategy behind what these guys are doing. So um, anyways, bottom line is the United States government is going to spawn a huge in spark, a huge um, growth in in uh, home insulation and EV infrastructure that's going to be needed. And there's there's just not enough companies. There's not enough equipment Uh, for me. I'm in the software business and my users in my software are technicians and engineers and schedule work with customers. So that just means there's going to be a boom and a bunch of new customers uh, in this space. Uh, for us so we're i'm kind of excited about it and we should look for ways so again what's in the mind of pierre hmm hmm, what do i think what do i think what am i thinking i'm thinking hey this might be good for us this might be something that uh, we uh, we want to leverage and take advantage of we want to think about maybe doing some marketing uh, around it we might want to think of some of those other uh, other components but anywho so that's uh, that is uh, that's a stack of stuff. Uh, number one, that infrastructure piece. Um, uh, uh, number two, a uh, little bit of a comedy. What is number two? Well, let's let's look that up here. What is number two? It is death death of a salesman. And there's a link in the stack of stuff to. Yay! There you go, Death of a Salesman. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Death of a Salesman by Arthur Miller. As everybody knows, money doesn't make you happy, but if you thoroughly want to fuck up your life, just run after money all the time. This is what... <laughs> So what, what the story is, is, about. is Today's cast I'm going to, uh, I'm giving you a link to a, a hilarious um, uh, fella. Um, he did, he's done uh, these books. Basically, he, he you got to watch the video, of course, because that's where the humor comes from. He uses the little Playmobil sets to tell the story. And so it's like watching a a five-year-old basically reenact these stories uh, with little Playmobil sets. And so he's reenacting the play, A Death of a Salesman, using Playmobil characters, um, and he's doing it in nine minutes. And so it's like an English literature class, uh, American lit. He does everything from Faust to King Lear. He's got all of these, this library of literature, the great books of Western literature. And so it's a little bit of a tour over that. And he does it in a very humorous way. And so if you if you ever saw the movie or, or read the book, Death of a Salesman, uh, you can go in and, and uh, get in nine minutes, get familiar with the concept of what it is. It's just, it's very funny. Wow. Let's listen a little minute over it. And Biff didn't. Well, you know, when Biff failed the final exam back then, he could have just repeated it, but something happened. And Willie goes, oh, and breaks off the conversation. Then... Charlie enters and Willie goes, Here, Charlie, can you lend me some money? I can offer you a job. No! Howard has fired me, but I can't work for you. I'm sorry. And Charlie's understandably pissed, but gives him some money. 
the boys. <laughs> so that's the, anyways, that's how hilarious. Again, I, I'm going to be done with uh, the rant, so to speak, on Death of a Salesman and pitching it. But uh, again, at the beginning of, if you're on this journey at the beginning of your career, I just encourage you to listen to that uh, play or watch it because it'll it'll enlighten you a little bit as to what is in so many people's mind when they get into sales. They think what they really want to do to be successful is to be liked and is to be good to their prospect and tell them what the prospect wants to hear. And that's what it really is all about. And that's not what it's about at all. And that's what this story is about a salesman who lived his life on that model that in order to, you know, win the business, I have to win the hearts and minds of my customers by making them like me. And uh, so I stay away from things that are difficult and challenging. And I push all of those issues down. And I just, I'm happy on the outside all the time. And, uh, and this is their life. This is the life that he lives this is how he runs his business, and this is how he treats his family. And by avoiding all of the challenging things in life, um, setting a culture where I don't want to hear difficult things from my kids and family, what you end up doing is oversimplifying everything in life. You never deal with challenging issues. You don't really find out people's real needs and um, you break trust with people. And so in the end, you die alone. You um, are disappointed not only with your life, you infect other people around you because you establish a culture of dishonesty. And so uh, that's where dishonesty is important. It's not just saying I'm always going to tell the truth, but it's like figuring out that way to um, express your needs to people and be honest with yourself about what you need out of your job or what you need out of your family or what you need from, from one another. And expressing that shows vulnerability and avoiding it, which seems to be like I'm strong because I don't show that. It ends up causing a lot of problems. So anyways... Be honest, and that's what Death of a Salesman is all about. All about. All right, uh, the um, the last the last one on this list um, that I will talk about because I said I'm going to do this in uh, 30 minutes or so. Uh, so we wanted to be short and sweet on this. Is the last one is Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos wrote his letter to shareholders. You know, um, Jeff Bezos is stepping down from his role as CEO of Amazon. So he's, he sent his final letter out. It's worth reading. It's five pages long, 5,000 words. He's actually a very good writer um, because you have to be in these kind of organizations where, you know, email and things like that, um, written communication is really important. But he, there's five words in there out of those 5,000 that encapsulates a business model. And I think it's very important to, to put this on. And this is going on the Pyramid of Greatness. This is going to be line 10, um, uh, subject 4B, and it is called, it's these five words, create more than you consume. This is what he said, create more than you consume. Let's just um, say this again, create more than you consume. Uh, That is, in a nutshell, what you want to have to be successful in business, in your life, really, too. You have to create more than you consume. Your goal should be to create value for everyone you interact with. 
Any business that doesn't create value for those it touches, even if it appears successful in the surface, in the long run, for this world, it's on its way out. It's really profound when you think about what happened this year. Amazon hired 500,000 employees this last year. Let's let that sink in for a minute. 500,000 new employees got hired at Amazon last year. So this is his advice to the 500,000 employees. Create more value than you consume. This is the business that they're in. At the same period of time this last year, a, a big, ginormous company, Toys R Us, closed its doors. Toys R Us was the largest, one of the largest retailers in the United States. And they are out of business today. They had one of the most predictable business models you could ever imagine in retail. When somebody walks in your store for the first time and buys diapers, that means they just had a kid. And so that means for the next, till that kid turns 20, you have to buy a birthday gift every year for that kid. You have to buy um, uh, graduation gifts. You have to buy, you haven't, literally the life cycle of the customer is well known at this point. And that company could not figure it out on how to, <laughs> how to consolidate a customer loyalty program. They did not deliver more value. In fact, the, um, the, the, the net revenue they did, um, their last year in business, did $11 billion of business. Um, they lost a million, $36 million last year. They were worth $6 billion as a whole. So they, um, and it was just a mess. The, the company overall was a mess. And still, I think it's owned, it's actually technically not out of business um, because they've kind of, um, sold the brand off and stuff like that. But I wanted just to focus on those retail stores and why they've been through bankruptcy so many times and it's just been a mess. And the thing is, this: why is this important relative to Amazon? Because Amazon effectively created a better value proposition. They created more value than they consumed. What ends up happening if you put yourself in this customer journey and say, hey, I want to buy five Christmas gifts for my nieces and nephews. I'm going to buy board games for them this year. That's going to be the thing. So we're going to take a trip, sweetie, and we're going to go to Toys R Us. Toys R Us is eight miles um, from my from my house. Uh, so it is a it's a ten mile um, or it's a twenty. Let's say just round it up, even like twenty miles. So it's a it's a it's a ten dollar car ride. It's 50 cents a mile on your car. So it's a $10 in expense to drive out there. When I show up and walk in the door, I, I don't know where the stupid um, board games are. So I'm going to ask that store associate um, who's going to look at me like uh, they don't know me uh, and that I'm kind of interrupting them from stocking the shelves because, you know, they're lean. They run lean at that store as all retailers do. And so they don't have time to actually take care of me as a customer. He looks at me, the pimply, squeaky kid that doesn't care or rip about me as a customer. And he's more worried about, you know, um, his uh, girlfriend and uh, whatever. He is, he's not interested in me. And so he just, it's like, hi, 14, boomer, get out of here. You know, that's just kind of the attitude that you'd get. And so uh, you got to go find your, your five, you know, 
board games. Okay, I go find my, you know, I get Yahtzee and I get a, get a, I'll take a, I'll take a Sari. I'll take a, a Boggle and maybe a Monopoly. So I got my five games with me and I, I trust that I've gotten the best deal in town because this is one of the only places that actually still carries board games in stock like that. And uh, maybe on the way out, I buy some extra batteries or something like that for the remotes. And I've spent my hundred bucks. And uh, then, uh, so after the hour, I after being greeted with the lovely sounds and sights and smells of a store filled with crying children and um, angry adults just ruining the day that they ever walked in the store, trying <laughs> every dad telling and mom at the brink of 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 uh, frustration with their kids this is this is the store environment that that I'm walking into voluntarily of course to save what you know $10 off of my $10 car ride that I and the hour and 20 minutes that I spent waiting in line and buying this stuff so the net impact in terms of value is pretty negligible versus uh when i got home i got an email from amazon saying hey you see it's 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 uh jacob's birthday and you or christmas is coming up and you're going to need five board games clicking on the ad i go and find the five board games within three minutes and i um i click the button and say yes i'll i'll take those gift wrap too and uh within a day they'll show up in my house so that's that's what we're at that's where we're at guys this Amazon, this is why they hired 500,000 people this last year. Just to put this in perspective, um, Walmart has about a million employees. So basically, they bought half of a Walmart entire company last year and hired those employees to run their warehousing because people are hating walking into stores like Toys R Us. It is done. Game over. This, that whole model is gone. Like we don't we don't go into general stores anymore. We don't order from the Sears Roebuck catalog anymore. Like those were business models that worked at a certain level. They don't work anymore. And so you know we there's been an evolution that happens and and old models go away and people have new buying habits and we have jumped the shark on on retail. Walk into the mall. COVID killed it. It's done with. And Bezos was smart this year because he had a boatload of cash and they're making investments in the billions of dollars to not only build data centers and help their infrastructure around that, but they're going all in on becoming the, the everything store, which is their, their model. They have, they put all of the bookstores out of business. All the mom and pop bookstores are out of business and Toys R Us is out of business and uh, they're just going to keep going. They're going to keep going, and this is not going to change. And uh, online, if you can't do it online, you're you're out of you're out, you're in, not in luck anymore. You're going to be in big trouble anyway. So that's the that's the these are the ways that I think through this stuff. What is in the mind of Pierre? Hmm, what is he thinking about? So when I when I look at at news like that, I I think of you know what is the impact of that, and those are significant numbers now. Yeah, that that uh, these guys are doing uh, Bezos. So let's see. Let's go back to our stack. I think that's it. Actually, we're pretty darn close. We got the stack of stuff. We talked about the Bezos. We did the infrastructure stuff. We did the death of a salesman. Um, those are three uh, three big ones. We um, also talked about. What else did we talk about? 
Oh, uh, startup. Yeah, that's it. Oh my goodness. Oh Lord, help us all. Well, I just want to close the day. I want to close the day because it's it's late. It's five o'clock in the morning right now. So I'm I'm tired. I'm tired. It's 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 right. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I hope you're having a great day. I really do. Um, the um, the song we ended. I, I uh, the the um, I'm going to end on a song, a different song, because um, it is uh, you know um, there. I ended up with uh, my first podcast. I there was a, a moment at the end of that podcast, and I said, "Hey, you are a promise. You are a possibility." You are a promise with a capital P. You're a great big bundle of potentiality. And I said that, and, and I got some comments like, oh, I remember that song. And other people are like, what in the heck are you talking about, Pierre? That's crazy talk. What are you talking about? And so I wanted to refresh everybody's memory on this song. If you do not know this song, this song was written in 1975 by um, Bill and Gloria Gaither, who are... If you, ninety <laughs> percent of the people in this country have no idea who that is. Um, if you uh, grew up in um, the evangelical Bible Belt of uh, America, uh, Bill and Gloria Gaither were um, uh, gospel songwriters in the seventies, and he wrote many of the kind of standards uh, of uh, of uh, let's say gospel music standards by by today's uh, by today's measure. Um, and this was one of their songs that they wrote in 1975, I Am a Promise. And it's a children's song, and we all learned it as kids. And uh, But it has this wonderful, wonderful sentiment uh, in it, which is that you individually are full of potential. And uh, so I want to play this song a little bit. I, I didn't pay for the song. Um, I actually pay for music service, uh, so I didn't pay for the song. So hopefully, I don't get, uh, you know, whacked or something like, like pulled down or something because I have the song in there. But it is this is an important song for us all to understand. It's very kitschy. It's kind of like a jingle. I am a possibility. I am a promise. With a capital P, I am a great big bundle of potentiality. It's very, very uh, moving. <laughs> to hear God's voice, and I am trying to make the right choice. I am a promise to be anything God wants me to be. I can go. So, um, yeah, there you go. That's the thing. That's the song. I'm a promise, and uh, you are a promise. You you are filled with potential. You this is not just a affirmation and some sort of mindset thing. You you have to know this that you you are a promise. You um, have potential. You uh, barriers that exist can be broken. Barriers that exist in your success can go away. You can make those go away. You can figure out ways around them, and um, you are filled with potential. And that kind of confidence doesn't come easily. It's earned. You earn it yourself. But give yourself a break, for goodness sake. Come on. 
As a this song is again, I have many of my friends and podcast listeners that are from other parts of the world. So just allow me to explain uh, one thing, um, and uh, I don't mean I'm not going to try to be preachy. So I'm going to try to be as uh, as objective as possible. Pierre is a Christian, so I'll talk about myself in the third person. Pierre is a Christian. And uh, he was—he didn't grow up in a Christian family, but this song was something that he learned as a child. And this is a principle that you learn as a Christian growing up, is that we believe, or the Christians believe, that Jesus uh, is an important part of your life. And the reason that you have this relationship with the Lord is that before you really were aware of God's love for you, he loved you first. And he loved you so much that he paid a big price for your freedom. And um, the way that he paid that price is in his death on the cross. That's the, the work of the cross. And so when, he, when Jesus died, he redeemed you from your sins. So he forgave all your sins through that act of, of dying on the cross. And that why did he do this? Why did he do this? Because he loved you. And he saw potential in you. And you are worth dying for. And so your job as a Christian today in your adult Christian walk is to live up to that potential. To um, partner with the Lord and with God, your creator, to agree with that assessment of you. <laughs> to find a way to agree with it. That you, you see your faults and failures. You see your shortcomings. You see all of the times you've made mistakes. But he doesn't see that. He he's blind to that actually. He because he blotted your mistakes out. He blotted your sin out with the sacrifice of Christ. And so when he sees you, he doesn't see you as a failure. He sees you as successful. He sees you as full. He sees you as complete. And so we see this theme throughout the Bible where um, whether it was Gideon and he was, you know, hiding in the thing away and he was, um, he was trying to, um, he was fearful and, and the Lord called him a mighty man of valor, even though he was acting in a fearful way. And the Lord, because the Lord sees us as a fulfilled person, he sees us completed. And so this is a principle, I believe. This is why uh, a lot of times people overcomplicate. This is a child, something you teach a child. So if a, if a five-year-old can learn this thing, we can learn this as adults. You are a promise. You are filled with potential. And um, your job is just to live up to that potential that's in you. That's it. Everything that's a barrier can be removed. Everything that's a barrier to your success can go away. Um, you can find hacks. You can find workarounds. You can find ways to have people help you out of that. There's different ways to address these challenges that are in front of you. And, uh, and that, you know, your job is just to fill, fulfill that potential. That's it. Very simple. Very simple. And I'm glad that people did that. I'm glad that Jesse Owens was able to, you know, uh, run as fast as he could and, and run as far as he could. And you could just, all he had to do was live up to the potential that was in him. That inspires me. That's why sports is so helpful because it inspires us to live up to that potential that's within us. We see people like Tiger Woods that are committed their entire lives to um, the pursuit of excellence in the sport that they put in front of them. 
and they commit themselves to that, and then they overcome all those obstacles that are happening to them, all their screw-ups and all their injuries, and they overcome that, and we just cheer for them, and they um, they do well. And we, we can see ourselves in that. That's why sports is so cool. You know, That's why it's such an inspiration to so many people. And so that's how you are. You are that. You are the same thing. You have that potential within you, and I believe that to be so. So anyways, that's why I'm ending with the I'm a promise. I think it's such a beautiful, simple principle. Somebody wrote a book. (laughs) You want to be successful, everything you learned in kindergarten. That's just do that. You know, you'll be really successful. Take a nap. Be nice to other kids. Share. To have a snack. Go outside, have some recess, play. You do those things, you're going to be successful. So this is it. Same thing. You are a promise. You have to realize that you're worth it. You're worth all of that effort. And uh, you you have the potential to to reach, you know, your dreams and the things that you put in front of you. And so, you know, you look at those barriers and let's figure out how to get around them. Let's figure out how to get around that stuff. And uh, sometimes we find that those barriers are just stepping stones to the next great thing for you. And the failures that we um, experience and the no's that we get are just, you know, that's just a good guidepost to say, don't go down that road anymore. Don't stay. Don't don't pursue that. That's a sucky product. Don't sell it anymore. Nobody bought it. You learn your lessons and move on quickly, basically. And uh those are those are good principles for us. We learn those things uh, as we go. So, anyways, well, I hope you have a great day. I'm gonna just close it out and and uh, go. What's in Pierre's mind? Well, you are promised. Thank you so much. You have an awesome day. It is almost five. It's five. What is it? Five eighteen. Did I do it? It's forty four minutes long. I think I did. I wanted it to be under an hour. I, I have to. I have to work to be under an hour. I think that's the format. That's the magic thing. Because that's one hour there to, you know, last one I did was really long. It was over an hour long. So anyways, I just hope you have an awesome day. And you, you, you don't go read a book. Turn the news off. Read a book, man. You feel the depressed? Not not really excited about the government spending forty billion dollars of your your hard earned tax or four four trillion dollars or whatever the heck they're gonna spend. Don't worry about it, man. You do you, homie. I'll talk to you later. Adios. Number three is in the bag. It is in the bag, number three. I mean, how good is this? This is getting better, I think. I hope, hopefully it's getting better. It's getting better for me. How was it for you? It's, it's very good for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>